Hey, this is Josh McKibben, and I want to introduce you to what is going to be a new feature here on the Led by Truth podcast, because in addition to all of the weekly sermons that are preached here every Sunday at Lakeside, and in addition to the midweek messages that drop every Wednesday, that's usually just a short, abbreviated thought from the Scriptures, we want to do something a little bit more long-form and something that might be a little bit more casual and conversational, if you will. Uh, myself and the summer preacher here, Kane Atkinson, often engage in Bible studies with each other and with others from time to time. And so we thought maybe it might be helpful to just record some of those studies. And we hope that you'll be benefited, not just by the insights and the discussion that takes place in these chats, but also be encouraged by the fact that it's possible for you to sit down with another person across a table and just open up the Bible and discuss it. It doesn't have to be some thought-out, meticulous, stilted, formal thing. It can just be two people sitting down with the book and coming to an understanding of God's will for their lives. And that's our hope as we work together in the Gospel of Mark over the course of the next 16 chapters. Learn with us, read with us, and study with us as we chat about God's Word. Alright, so let's talk about Mark chapter 1. Um, the Gospel of Mark, as best we can tell, uh, from information from secular history and some of the writings of others, the traditions that were handed down, this does seem to be John Mark, uh, the famous John Mark that we read about in the book of Acts, uh, companion of Paul for a time, of course a relative of Barnabas, but later on in First Peter we read about how he spends some time with Peter. And so most likely this is not just John Mark's eyewitness account, but he's probably also sharing some things that maybe Peter's told him too uh, about Jesus and uh, that really is what the Gospel of Mark is all about. Is it's all about Jesus, and maybe that's the reason John Mark never introduces himself throughout the whole Gospel because he didn't want the focus to be on him; just yeah. wants it to be on on Jesus. And like so, in the Book of John, how John's all the time like he just refers to himself as the one who Jesus loves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he's going to get straight to the action. Actually, this is very different than the other Gospel recordings because there's not some big long flowery introduction. It's just bam, we're going to hit the ground running uh, with verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Um, I love that introduction. Actually, it's probably actually my favorite of uh, the four gospel introductions. Um, it's just, you know what this is about. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, and Mark just starts with the basic assumption that his readers are going to recognize, or they're certainly going to learn to recognize, that this Jesus character... He's God's son. He's yeah. not just some random dude. He's not just uh, a, a pretender, a wannabe, a so-called Messiah or Christ. This is the legit guy. This is the son of God. Well, truth is, it doesn't matter if you think he's the son of God or not. That this, that statement in the beginning is going to catch your attention if you care about it yeah. or if you disagree with it. Either way, it's gonna you're going to be, okay, let's read on. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like he probably is, especially as we kind of work through uh, the text, John's going to make lots of, or Mark, John, John Mark, uh, he's going to make lots of references uh, to various like Jewish traditions and things that really only a Jewish audience would understand, and he's going to kind of explain it. So my guess is that means he's probably talking to uh, probably a primarily Gentile audience or maybe kind of a, a mixed audience mm -hmm. uh, and some people who are going to need some explanation of some things. So, uh, verse 2 uh, begins by starting to quote some things from the Old Testament. Actually, he stitches together uh, two or three different Old Testament passages, a passage from Exodus, a passage from Isaiah, and even a passage from Malachi when he says, 
As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This, of course, is an announcement and a reference to who? Well, John the Baptist, of yeah. course, yeah. Obviously, it's talking about John the Baptist, who we will uh, learn, learn, about, learn about a little bit right here, but uh, you would probably want to pull from the other gospel accounts to learn even more about John the Baptist. Uh, what we do know about him is he's a little weird. <laughs> he wears weird clothes. He eats bugs. He's the he's probably the street preacher before the street preacher thing became a thing. Yeah. Um, the weird dude on the corner. And he's ruffling a lot of people's feathers just like street preachers tend to do today. He is. <laughs> and it's not just because he's trying to to get people angry. Uh, he's, he's bringing some radical ideas because the one who he's preparing the way for is going to be bringing some very radical ideas. Yeah, like right now. Like yes. it's happening right now. It's pretty urgent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, his job's important. Uh, he's, he's preparing the way for Jesus, uh, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Uh, verse 4, so John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I think this is worth just like making a note in a person's Bible. That sometimes we talk about how John's baptism uh, was different than the baptism that would come along under the you know, the new covenant and after the church is established and what Peter preaches. Yeah. Um, and there are some differences. Yeah. Um, because obviously this is pre-death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and those things are kind of prerequisites to get the full import of what baptism is about. But verse 4 does say he was baptizing for the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this wasn't just like a a mere ritual that these people were doing, there was there was forgiveness of sins happening there. Uh, that's yes. worth noting. Um, verse 5, All the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with the camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, John, I love the humility here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that he's got multitudes of people that are coming out to him and they're being you know, persuaded and convicted by what he's preaching. And it would have been real easy for John to you know, kind of just almost become his own little version of a Messiah mm-hmm. and he's getting followers to himself. He recognizes it's not about me. Yeah. Uh, it's about the guy who I've been sent to kind of lay, lay some groundwork for, um, yeah. especially that statement in verse 7. And I think that's the danger with preachers and teachers and even just Christians all over is like, you know, we, Jesus, God, is teaching us through the word essentially how to be salt and how to be light and how to be influential and people take notice of that and and. I think Satan would be delighted if we start taking credit for those things and forget where we learned how to be good people that people admire and, and things like that. And that, that's one thing that, that I always try have, have tried to avoid and have struggled with is, is, you know, even being in the pulpit for the short time that I've been, like, not aggrandizing self, even though you gain so much value from reading the Bible. Yeah. And studying. Yeah, and John, uh, there's other great examples from his life. Uh, of 
just great character qualities that he possessed. Unfortunately, he's he's for the most part going to kind of drop out of sight uh, as far as Mark's gospel is concerned. Mm-hmm. Here after verse eight, you'd want to pull in some of the other gospel accounts to get some of the other, you know, great moments of his life where uh, he really stood for truth. You think about him rebuking uh, Herod and what Herod was doing, you know, being with uh, a woman that he didn't have any business being with, and John mm-hmm. had the courage to stand up to him. And of course, it cost him his life, but mm-hmm. uh, just a really strong example early in the early in the New Testament. Um, so the stage is set here. Uh, you know, John saying this about the, the one who's going to come, Jesus, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That would have certainly gotten some people's attention. He's he's drawing upon some prophecies uh, that relate all the way back to uh, like the prophets of Joel and Joel chapter two, when Joel talks about uh, the spirit of the Lord is going to be poured out. And so, if you're a Jew and you're hearing him say these things, you're probably getting you know, pretty excited because yeah. all right, is this what we've waiting for this forever and uh, what's this going to mean and how is all that going to play out and of course this sets the stage for some things that will happen in Acts chapter 2 when he talks here about being baptized with the Holy Spirit and things of that nature but uh, that's kind of getting the cart before the horse Uh, so Jesus enters the picture verse 9 in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and he was baptized by John in the Jordan And when he came up out of the water which is a great place to point out is in the Bible, it's always an immersion. Yeah, all the way down. All the way down, so you can then come up out of the water. Mm-hmm. Then immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Just a quick note, that word immediately being used there in verse 10, Yeah. Uh, like more than 40 times John's going to use the word immediately in his gospel, mm-hmm. which probably ought to be the clue to us that like he's going to be fast-moving. Yeah, so yeah. fast that you say John instead of Mark again. Ah, yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> it's Mark's favorite word. Uh, immediately. immediately, over and over again, we're going to see that. So and, mark that down. Yeah, mark that down. It's 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 John Mark. Uh, immediately. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Verse eleven, and a voice came from heaven saying, "You are my beloved Son." With you, I am well pleased. And, uh, of course, the other gospel accounts give a little bit more details mm-hmm. about how when Jesus came to John and John was a little bit you know, resistant, just didn't feel like he was even worthy. No, Lord, you know, I ought to be baptized by you, all of that uh, sort of stuff. But, again, Mark's wanting to just keep the emphasis on, on Jesus. Uh, yep. Here's Jesus um, setting the example early on for uh, what he's going to require of all of his followers uh, down the line. That yeah. uh, baptism, immersion—that's that's part of, of rendering our obedience to the Lord. Right, and this is cool too because it's where we get to see the entire Godhead all in one place at yeah. one time: the, the Spirit, the Son, the Father, all kind of converging at this one point. Like this is the confirmation. Here we go. It's it's go time now. The mission has begun. Kind of deal. Yeah, it is kind of neat too to think about the fact. Verse 9 where it says that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee mm-hmm. down to the Jordan where John was, seemingly specifically for the reason to be baptized by him. If my notes are correct about that, that's about 80 miles away. Think oh. about that. Jesus walked some 80 miles to be baptized. So now, for, for me, that'd be like a, like a two-hour drive up the interstate, something like that. So yeah. walking... 
man. Yeah. You're going to need to bring an extra pair of sandals with you there. Yeah. And that ought to distress, I mean, to to those who would maybe kind of argue on how important baptism is in uh, you know, God's plan. Well, Jesus thought it was pretty important, so much so that he was willing to walk. Now, maybe he had a... Maybe he had a horse or a camel or something somewhere along the way. We don't really know, but it seemed like Jesus walked most of the time that he went places. And um, to do yeah. that for 80 miles, to to, you know, to to carry out and fulfill all righteousness, as he would say uh, in another passage, that just says to me that baptism's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and that'd be nothing compared to, to what he went through to go to the cross. I mean, that's just walking. Yeah. For Jesus, that's probably a you know, cakewalk compared to what right. was to come. But you can apply that to, like, Anything really? I mean, people who are like, you know, trying to shirk worship or come up with any excuse not to come to worship. Jesus walked eighty miles yeah. to be dunked in water by this guy who's eating locusts and wild honey, covered in camel's hair. Yeah. You know, uh, so it's like, you know, get to church or like with evangelism, like, oh, you know, this guy wants to talk to me about the Bible, but uh, I'm kind of tired, and, or he's too far away, or whatever. It's like. We really need to be considering examples like this whenever we start justifying stuff like that to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And God, God's voice from heaven says, gives his stamp of approval that, like, I, I'm proud of my son. That's awesome. And, yeah, and that's what we ought to be seeking for. Instead of, like, seeking for minimums, here's Jesus, like, going to, to maximums. Yeah. And, and that, the, the, the phrases that he uses there, those would have, those would have been important to a, someone who had some familiarity with the Old Testament, that first part of the phrase, you are my beloved son, that's actually taken from the psalm, Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. It's a royal psalm. So here's an indication that uh, the Lord is acknowledging the kingship, the royalty of his son. Yeah. And then the second part there about uh, in whom I'm well pleased, that comes from Isaiah 42. And that, of course, is uh, one of those suffering servant uh, passages. And so here's this royal king who's going to suffer. So that's another foreshadowing of the things that are to come. God says, I'm pleased with you. Verse 12, immediately. (laughs) The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, once again, that's a story that's elaborated on further in Matthew's Gospel, uh, for example, and uh, lots of great things to, to learn from there. Uh, this is just the abbreviated gospel, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the Cliff Notes uh, version in some way. And it, that's why Mark is, when I'm studying with folks, I often tell folks, uh, you know, hey, if you want to do some Bible reading on your own and just kind of get acclimated to the Scriptures, Mark's a good place to start. Mark's your Mark's your drive-through gospel. you got to get to work on you, you got to you got to get some salvation real quick. Look, man, I, you, you got to read Mark. Yeah. If, you don't, if you don't feel like you got much time, I bet you got time to read Mark. It is worth noting because I think this, I think Mark is maybe the only gospel that does mention this, that talks about when Jesus was in the wilderness and he's been tempted by Satan. Okay, that's terrible and, and that would have been difficult. And he's he's fasting out there and he's been without food and all the challenges of that. But Mark does make mention, verse 13, that he's also with the wild animals. Yeah. I, I just find that uh, interesting and I think, yeah, I don't know, maybe that's just to point out just the bravery and the courage of Jesus, you know, in the midst of all this other stuff, here's something that would have presented a, a challenge to his physical well-being uh, in addition to the things Satan's challenging about his spiritual well-being. But he knows that if these if these uh, 
wild animals give him trouble, that he can just call down 10,000 angels and destroy them. Exactly. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Um, the angels are right there, actually. Ministering yeah. To him, so. He's safe. But it is, it's Mark's just, he's just quickly highlighting, yes. you know, here's here's the strength of Jesus. Here's the power of this guy. Yeah, of course he went out into the desert and he handled that for 40 days and yeah, no took care deal. of the devil while he was out there and fought off wild beasts. Yeah, unlike Matthew, like, which elaborates on it a lot more, like you said, Mark is just like, yeah, he went out in the wilderness and it was, it was crazy. There were some animals. Anyway, and then he just, <laughs> yeah. he just carries on like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which which goes along with verse 1 where it just goes, yeah, he's the son of God. Exactly. I don't even need to lay out this big long case for it. It's just it's the it's truth. It's facts. Yeah. Uh, and so switches gears. Verse fourteen. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, "The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel." And so Jesus is he's now carrying on that message that John had begun to uh, to preach and to prepare people for, and now Jesus is going to. Elaborate upon that. Um, it does seem that verse fourteen, when he says, "Now after John was arrested," that maybe that's kind of Mark's way of maybe kind of giving like a time marker. Okay. Um, that maybe we're talking about maybe like a year has passed. Um, that's what maybe some uh, commentators and so seem to believe. And so uh, maybe it's that. Uh, I do think we should probably. This is not like the, the next day after yeah. he was baptized. Or the next day after the wilderness. Seems like maybe just a little bit of time's passed. So verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. for They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately, that word again, they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them out, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So begins the calling of the men that we would know as the apostles and uh, these guys who are going to be uh, trained and be prepared and are going to assist him along the way. But the more important thing is is that he's preparing them for the work that they would do after he is gone and after he's ascended back into heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do love the use of the word immediately in these cases because it's not just Mark just trying to zip through the story. It's I do think that's descriptive of you know Peter and John and and, and Andrew like, and let's go. James. Yeah, this sounds awesome. Yes, <laughs> um, and first twenty especially uh, that they left their dad in the boat with his hired <laughs> servant. So it's like. You know, hey, we've enjoyed you know getting to work with you guys being fishermen, but uh, I feel good like luck to you. I just think sometimes, like, I mean, Jesus must have had like, I mean, he had to have just known that these were the right guys to approach because I feel like one out of a like uh, like this is like a one out of a hundred thing because if I go out in Lake Cumberland right now and I just pull up next to some dudes on their boat and I'm like, hey, do you guys want to go learn about Jesus? They're going to be like, well, no. <laughs> I mean, not you know most of the time. So or at best. I maybe sometime, yeah. but not. I'm certainly not going to drop everything I'm doing right now. Right. To do that. Yeah. Um, so he just had to. He had to. I feel like there's some some providential knowledge going on. He's not just going around to every single you know Tom, Dick, and Harry like, hey, what are you doing? You know, he's he's legitimately like, this is the guy. Yeah. That's he's he's probably done some scouting. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know that. But we would never. The, the other the other part of it, probably the bigger part, is. 
this says something about how influential Jesus clearly was. Oh, yeah. There was something about the way that he carried himself, the way that he spoke, the way that he acted that drew people to him. And so much so that, you know, when he gives a command, people are literally willing to drop everything to obey the Lord. And maybe there's a lesson just in and of that. Like when the Lord says, hey, do this, come, go, whatever it is that he commands, these four guys illustrate well what obedience demands. We do it now. Yeah. Do it right then and there. And it's just the, it's probably just the fact that he is God in the flesh, and maybe they didn't know that right away, but you can just kind of recognize someone. Like I know personally, I can see a room full of people, and sometimes I can just read somebody's energy, and I can be like, this is someone that loves people. You know, this yeah. is someone who's got faith and conviction. And, and sometimes I'm wrong about that, but more often than not, I'm right. And I think, you know, with Jesus, how much, I mean, that would probably bowl you over trying to talk to the guy being like, man, there's just something about this guy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, he's got, he certainly has a drawing power, and, and of course, it's Jesus who would say in another passage in uh, John 6, I think it is, that, you know, uh, when I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw all people to myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, certainly, it's, it, and it's even before the cross that he's drawing people to him. Yeah. Um, so verse 21, so he's got, he's got these first four guys uh, that are now following him. And it says that they went into Capernaum. And this really does seem to be, from, from other places in the Gospels, that this seems to be kind of Jesus' home base uh, where he's going to kind of work out of over the course of these two or three years uh, of his ministry. We talk about uh, Jesus is from Nazareth or Jesus of Galilee. And certainly there's arguments to be made about how Jesus was from those places. But we could probably also make an argument for Jesus of Capernaum because there's yeah. lots of mention about going to and coming back from Capernaum. So... They went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered into the synagogue and was teaching. Just a quick note here about how Jesus was obedient to the old law. You know, um, yeah. Sabbath day, you're going to be involved in what a Jew ought to be involved in on the Sabbath when it comes to worship, and uh, here he is teaching now um, and being devoted to, to the Lord, uh, and that's true of Jesus' entire life, that he the only guy who fully fulfilled every command and every part of the of the old covenant law. Uh, so he enters in the synagogue and was teaching, verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Just stop right there. First of all, just the fact that everybody recognized there's something different about the way that this guy talks and speaks the word of God. Exactly what we were just saying. Yeah. That it was just the point that it was just like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the reason that he spoke the word of God in such a powerful way because he was God <laughs> actually saying his words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I, I mean, seriously, though, maybe that's what it is. Like, I mean, we couldn't hear his tone of voice and everything, but, I mean, think about the long-suffering that God had, like, all the way up to the through the Old Testament, through Genesis, like, to, to this point carrying the people of Israel, and then, like, the long silence of just, like, them in captivity up till this point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he finally gets here, and he's like, all right, I'm ready to, let's fix this. Yeah. You know, like, all that pain, knowing what's to come, the urgency that he must have spoke with and the legitimate concern 
and love for them probably. I mean, that's what I would think would be one of the things that would be so convincing. Yeah, it would have been. It would have probably been way more impassioned than the way the the scribes or the rabbis would would read and talk about the scriptures. Yeah. It's it's the difference between like, you know, you you do some poetry and, and writing. It would be the difference in you reading or reciting your own written literature yeah. than me secondhand getting up and trying to read it or quote yes, it. Yes, exactly you, you, like you, that. It's it's from you. It's from your heart. Uh, and you, you know every intricacy of it, and it yes. comes from your deepest depths. Yes. Like, and for the Lord, I mean, that's like infinite love. Yeah. You know? And, man, that's, that, that would just... That's why I hope when we get to heaven that I can be like Jesus. Let me hear some of your old sermons, man. Yeah, <laughs> let me hear you teach it. You know, I've heard I've heard lots of good preachers throughout my life, and and I'm appreciative of those guys. And, yes. and and if you were a Jew, you would have been appreciative of good scribes or rabbis getting up and conveying things. But I want the good teacher. Yeah, I want it, I want it, I want the from the original source uh, hearing all this stuff. And so it's no wonder then that people saw it as being. <laughs> If you, if you Speaking think of, from authority. If you think about it, you and me, Josh, we're just like really bad cover artists yeah, trying to true. do Jesus songs. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jesus is preaching. There's not people yawning or falling asleep and falling out of the window or anything like that. It's it's like, wow, I've never heard anything uh, like that before. Yeah. Um, and so there is this, uh, this person with the unclean spirit, someone who has a... a he knows that he's the son of God, though, and he says that and confesses that. That's right. That's the first thing that uh, he seems to acknowledge, that uh, he's he's from God. I know who you are. Um, and he knows as well that uh, if he's from God, then, then he's probably come for one specific reason, and that is to put an end to the works of the devil and the works of, of evil. And so he knows that his days are numbered. Um, and so he's he's asking about that. Verse 25. Jesus rebuked him, saying, "Be silent, come out of him." You imagine Jesus is up there trying to like preach this impassioned sermon. And Shut up! Exactly. <laughs> Be quiet. We will have none of this right now. Uh, come out of that guy. Is, uh, is 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 that does that is this scriptural authority for if like a kid starts crying real loud? Be silent. <laughs> it, it's it's the closest thing probably we'll we'll ever get to finding authority for it. Uh, the only thing is, uh, when Jesus says that, it happens. Uh, <laughs> the kid don't, the kid wouldn't shut up. The kid wouldn't necessarily, because verse 26 then says, the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. So, uh, yeah, the demons are subject to, to Jesus. This unclean spirit is subject to him. And yeah. Just imagine the reaction that that would have then created. So in, on top of the force and authority with which he's preaching and teaching, now the fact that he's able to command you know, spirits from the other side, uh, and they are subject to him, Man. the reaction in the room, and actually the next verse talks about the reaction. They were all amazed, verse 27, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere, or maybe we might say immediately his fame spread everywhere. You know the translators were just like, all right, got to use a different word yeah. here. Let's use some <laughs> synonyms here. His fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region uh, of Galilee. And so it, this is uh, the first of recording of uh, one of the miracles that Jesus does, at least as far as Mark's Gospels are concerned. And it's going to be uh, the first of, of many. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark is just uh, 
lots of miracles happening. In fact, when we get to chapter 4 and 5, there's just a series of like miracle, 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 miracle stories back to back to back to, to convey the, the power of Jesus and that he really is from God, but yeah. um, it's a Jesus goes viral here. This is maybe what we would say in our day and time. I believe in miracles since he came along. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Getting a little insider there. All right, verse twenty nine. So immediately he left. So imagine he done all this powerful, awesome teaching, done this powerful, awesome miracle. Everybody's you know a buzz about this. Jesus just bolts out of there. Uh, yeah. Leaves the synagogue, enters the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon, or Peter, his mother-in-law, lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And that's probably maybe a good place for us to just point out about uh, the difference between actual miracles that did occur in Bible times, Jesus performed, or later miracles that he would you know, endow his apostles the ability to perform, that when those miracles occurred, the effects of them were immediately apparent. Mm-hmm. This is not, okay, I'm going to lay my hands on you, you're sick, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and like three days later you feel better. Yeah. No, that's and called you, natural I'm, process. I'm going to lay my hands on you. Now you might want to go to the doctor still to just get a checkup or something. Yeah. And then we'll see how you're doing later. <laughs> like... No, immediately is the way that it that it always works. Jesus speaks a demon to come out. He comes out right away. Jesus says this woman's healed. She's healed. And on top of that, she immediately goes back to work. She's serving them and yeah. uh, doing all kinds of stuff. She doesn't even need any recuperation time. Yeah. It's just she's just back at it. Um, verse 32, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or who were oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And so here's everybody. You know, again, it's just spreading rapidly, word of mouth, and uh, everybody's coming to the place where he's at because um, this guy's different. He's got he's got real power and ability. And they're probably starving for this with how the scribes are teaching at this time and dealing with like hypocritical religious leaders of the day who don't have any care for the people mm-hmm. and are just, you know, probably honestly, like the antithesis of what we were saying about how Jesus is probably speaking very passionately and convincingly. They're probably just very like, you know, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Like if somebody gets up and preaches like that, I mean, if that's all we had, yeah, we I guess we'd listen to it, you know, but we'd much rather have like someone who clearly cares about what they're talking about, you know. Yeah, yeah. And these these miracles are just they're 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 helping to confirm even yeah. more the stuff that he's preaching. That, yep. that he this dude's legit. And um, yeah, and the, I do find it interesting. Verse thirty two says that at evening at sundown, all these people come and bring him. That might be a reference to the fact that these people were like concerned about observing the Sabbath for the duration of the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that maybe would have technically sundown would have marked kind of the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So now, now we can go and ask him to do this. And to Jesus' credit, it would have been easy for him to say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really tired. Uh, it's yeah. been a long day. I'd just like to chill. Yeah, let me, <laughs> let me just, you know, maybe tomorrow. But no, I mean, to his credit, he, he heals many uh, yeah. that evening. And um, I, I don't think that 
I don't think we're to take from that 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 means that Jesus healed every sick person that he ever encountered or ever knew of. Uh, That obviously cannot be so, Um, or didn't happen. But um, he was moved with compassion, and uh, clearly here. Another thing, too, I had a question about, actually, while I was looking over this. Um, It says he doesn't permit the demons to speak, and the other one earlier as well, he he didn't let it. Uh, he didn't let it speak because it knew who it was. Knew who he was. Um, is he just? At the, I realize at this point he's not wanting every the cat to be out of the bag, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It, what, what's exactly the reasoning behind that, though? Well, I, I, probably the same danger that he ends up encountering, you know, later on. Where all right, he's already got tons of people that's come to him on this occasion. <laughs> so now, if these if, if, if these demons start running their mouths like they want to do, mm-hmm. uh, and that then gets to the people and they're, everybody's believing these things, then before you know it, Jesus is full-time just healing people. Yeah. Like he's just going to be bombarded on every side all the time, every day, uh, and is never going to have time to be able to do what he really came to do, and that is to, to, to preach and teach the gospel, yeah. uh, to bring the good news that he was bringing. And so... Yeah, I, I think you're right, though, as far as, like, the, the main reason seems to be, um, you know, he's kind of building toward uh, yeah. the moment when the fulfillment of everything about him is, is clear. Um, verse 35, uh, as busy as he was, I do appreciate this, that rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Um, I don't know, that just, there's something touching about that, too, because... This is Jesus. He needs time to talk to his father, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. Uh, just, just a very obvious object lesson for us about we need to, as busy as our lives are, as much as we got going on, and no matter how spiritually sound you are, yeah, because this is Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and even if you're doing lots of good spiritual serving stuff, which Jesus was doing, mm-hmm. um. That still doesn't replace taking time to pray and talk to yep. talk to your father. I just wonder how many Christians like you know we think about like man you know brother so and so he he's always there willing to serve or, or or people talk about preachers that they think are real good preachers and and stuff like that. It's like how often do you hear like you know, I, I'm pretty sure brother so and so has an awesome prayer life. You don't yeah. hear that because you're not part of it. You know yeah yeah. Uh, but 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 I'm I wonder how how many people in our congregation are. You know, real strong with their prayer life. We just don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, uh, there are some people that I know that I, I tend to believe, boy, they must have really awesome prayer lives. But I, I don't know it because I'm not privy to it, which probably makes it even just even better on their account. Yeah. Uh, they're not doing it to be seen or to be praised. Have, have, you, have you heard the prayer that I prayed the other day? Man, it was awesome. Let me awesome. tell you all about it. <laughs> That'd kind of spoil it a little yeah. bit. Verse 36, uh, and I imagine this actually probably happened lots of times. Simon and those who were with him searched for him, uh, and they found him. And they said to him, everyone's looking for you. Imagine so. (laughs) And Jesus said to them, uh, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. So there's the emphasis again that like, all right, yeah, I'm glad that I've been able to help and do all this with with miracles. And he's going to keep doing that, but. The main reason I'm here is to show people God. Uh, yeah. I, I'm the incarnation of that. 
Um, verse 39, so they went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting uh, out demons. Um, we conclude the chapter with one more uh, amazing miracle, uh, and that is the healing of a leper, verse 40. A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. you got to just immediately admire the, 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 the faith of this guy. Where he says, you can. I know you can. There's not any doubt in my mind that you can. Yeah. It's just a matter of, will you be willing to do that for me? Jesus healed a lot of people who came to him like this, too. Yeah. In good faith like that. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is the first example of someone praying, if it be thy will. Uh, because the truth is, we don't always know the Lord's specific will, especially when it comes to stuff like, you know, sickness and things like that. I mean, I want to pray you know, for all the sick folks that I know to get better, but at best, I'll just pray, Lord, I know you can do it, but if it's, in, it's only if it's in your will. Because yeah. it may not be within your will. For me, I just feel like that's a vital, because sometimes I'm like, I don't know if he really wants this. So I just stamp yeah. it on. I'm like, I'm like, if it be your will, because I don't want to step on his toes. You yeah. know, if he's... If he, I, I want, I want his will to be done first, and that, that I don't think that should be like a, you know, just a ritual, like a rote thing that we pray. If it be your will, like we should legitimately mean like your will first mm-hmm. in every prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this leper is a good, he's a good uh, example of that. Even though he's, it's more than a prayer. He's literally talking face to face with Jesus here. Not too much different from us praying now. I mean, it's true. We're, we're just having to, to do it. Yeah, we're just having to do it by the eye of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 41. So Jesus moved with pity, stretched out his hand, and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. Now, that's amazing what's said there, those two little words. He touched him. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would touch a leper? Nobody. I mean, leprosy is incredibly infectious and yeah. contagious. And uh, normally, if you were a leper, that meant you had to live. Go stay outside the city. You were not yeah. allowed to you know, carry on with your daily activity at work and be with your family. You were separated from everybody. You were totally isolated from everybody. And so for someone, first of all, to have pity or compassion on him and then to actually reach out the hand and touch him, um, man, that's just that's powerful. And Mark's going to yeah. show us that uh, more than once in this gospel, how Jesus was willing to reach out and touch people uh, when no one else uh, would want to. So he touches him, says, I want to do it, you're clean. Verse 42, immediately the leprosy leaves him and he's made clean. Jesus sternly charges him, verse 43, sends him away at once, says to him, see to it that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest, which of course was in keeping with the law of Moses, uh, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus was very serious about being obedient to the law, not just in his own life, but in telling others. And this is just a great place to just point out to folks when folks say, oh, Jesus wasn't all about you know, rules and commands and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. obeying. That's, nothing could be further from the truth because Jesus was serious about obeying and keeping rules himself, and he also was serious about telling others to do the same thing. He kept every letter of the law. Yeah. He was like... If you want to use the word legalistic, like people use it to mean like pays attention to rules, emphasizes laws, like Jesus did that. Like he literally, he emphasized the law. He, he fulfilled the whole law. That, that doesn't mean that uh, he forgot about the other more, more important things, right. which are arguably commands as well. Like 
loving and yeah. having grace and mercy and things like that. The weightier matters. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is this guy, so Jesus gives these, he really gives a couple of commands, you know, the ones about make sure you follow the Old Testament instructions about showing yourself to the priests, etc. Yes. But, but the first command was don't say anything to anybody. And the very next thing this guy does is he disobeys that command. <laughs> uh, verse 45. But he went out. And he began to talk freely about it. Talk freely. Yes. And to spread the news so that Jesus, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. but He was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So th- this was the reason uh, Jesus is trying to kind of nip in the bud. You had one job, leper. One job. You didn't do it. Um, and, I, and, and I think Jesus knew this guy was going to go and tell. I think all the other times that he told people to, you know, keep this to yourself and don't go tell, he knew they were going to anyway. Um, but, you know, I, hey, I, if I was this guy, especially if I had been afflicted with this leprosy for, you know, a few weeks or months or whatever, and if yeah. I'd been away from my family, I mean, there ain't no way I could just keep that to myself. I mean, this isn't like a complete parallel because we are told to spread the word freely and to, to talk freely about it, but it's like almost like. You remember what it's like when you first come out of the baptistry and, you know, yeah. you're like, man, I just want to talk to somebody about Jesus right yeah. now. Like, and, like, it's probably about the same kind of feeling, but except he's expressly charged not to. That'd be pretty hard to do. Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, this is this is the beginning of the just the kind of the wildfire spread of Jesus' fame and uh, how his ministry um, becomes just so... Amazing, and ends up turning the world uh, upside down here for the better part of yep. three years or so. I, if you were to ask me, kind of, what's the the main takeaway from chapter one? It would just seem that the main takeaway is that we're to come away saying, "Wow." I agree, and I also think that um, we talked earlier about verse one mm-hmm. and about how verse one is meant to just be like, "Okay, like let's get into it." I feel like basically this entire chapter is almost like an asking hand, like, come a, come a little closer to this Jesus character. Yeah. Because we've, I mean, he, at this point, he's taught in a way that no one's taught. He's fulfilled commands. Like, we've we've just seen that he's a different kind of character than really anybody else. And for me, reading this, even if even if I maybe wasn't acquainted too much with spiritual things or, or with God, I would at least wonder, who is this guy that I'm reading about, you know? Yeah. And clearly... It, he demands some kind of a response from us, yeah. you know, because that, that's what we see over and over again. He goes in the synagogue. There's a response from the people there. Uh, he goes into the house of uh, Peter's mother. Uh, yeah. There's a response there. This leper, there's a response there. And yeah. So it's not only are we just to come away, wow, oh, he's amazing, he's so great. Okay, well, well, what are we now doing in response to this wow, amazing, great Jesus? Yes. He's the Son of God. <laughs> and we need to get, a, get to know him a little bit more. Yeah. So that's chapter one. We'll get to know him a little bit more in future chapters. Anything else on the way out? I uh, just love everybody, and let's get to know Jesus more. All right. In four, over and out. Mark two next time.